Welcome to Fundraising Growth Now, the arts and cultural industry's resource for actionable insights on raising more money and strengthening donor relationships. Your host is Bob Sweeney, founder and CEO of Robert Sweeney Consulting. Let's get started. Does database size matter? You know, I hear this at least a couple of times each week. Our database is too small. We need more names. How do we get them? I'll admit, I've seen some pretty small databases, even for community-based arts organizations. However, right now, I believe there is a heightened sensitivity because most arts organizations are not operating at peak artistic activity, and the lack of new records being introduced into the system is both obvious and sometimes uncomfortable to deal with. But when I get the question about database size, my first question back is often, well, what are you doing with the records that you have right now? And I get various answers all the way from nothing because it costs too much to we communicate all the time. My conclusion, in most cases, database size doesn't matter as much as the intentional tactical usage of that data. While a growing database with new names or records is a sign of organizational health, the records should be qualified to prevent adding names simply to increase the record count. If records are added just for the sake of adding them, then the positive effect on results is limited, while the direct mail and other costs grow exponentially to achieve those modest results. To me, it's just wildly inefficient. That aside, database growth is favorable, especially if its results are productive. So how do successful organizations grow the database? First, they focus on tactics that will thoughtfully add qualified names. Here's a simple definition for qualified names. They're either doing business with your organization or have a high propensity of doing business with your organization, either because of cues they've given you and or from research you have performed to qualify them. If someone is a current consumer through one of your earned or contributed revenue streams, clearly they're qualified. If at one time they did either of these things, but now they don't, they're usually still considered qualified if the time frame since their last transaction is reasonably recent. Our rule for recency is generally five to seven years. So first, know the quality of patron data you already have, even if the record count isn't robust. Beyond your internal list, the usual demographic, age, income list purchase can help and could be overlaid now with behavioral information that's much more reliable than even a few years ago. It's a place to start, but again, the cost can be high and the results can be low. Trade lists from similar arts organization often get better results, as can new mover lists in your core zip code areas. In short, a little patron modeling can go a long way when building a qualified database. Referrals may create a small but mighty pool of donor prospects. Your board and other volunteers are most often the best source to get qualified names. Keep the referral process simple. Ask for the names and the contact information and then do the homework and follow up on your own. There is also a burgeoning new pool of prospective patrons connected to online content. Due to COVID, 
Many organizations are offering online performances, events, gallery exhibits, and so forth, which offer hundreds, sometimes thousands, of warm, qualified prospects. Related, there's an ongoing debate as to whether or not to monetize online events, or instead offer them free to the public. I'll leave that argument to the marketers, but in either scenario, I press the idea of pursuing data capture. Simple things like name, email address, and phone number. Now, I've been told that asking for personal data related to online events is a barrier to participation, and I actually agree. However, if you are presenting content that is being consumed by the public and you aren't asking for patron information, then you can't grow your database. Why bother? In short, don't let anyone complain about not building the database when data that could be captured isn't captured. Also, since you have some avenues to acquire new patron information, make sure you have a communications plan in place that takes all the segmentation into account. You have all sorts of channels from which to communicate, mail and email, phone and web page and social media and so on. So knowing which messages you want to send to which specific prospects and how you want to deliver those messages is ultimately more important than just expanding the record count. At RSC, we talk a lot about patron preservation and growing the database certainly plays a significant role. The objective of building the database is to put new prospects in the pipeline so that you can turn them into patrons, keep them as patrons, and grow their patron involvement over time. So again, my conclusion is to be intentional about growing your database, but doing so by adding qualified records only and develop a communications program that supports your outreach and your engagement for consumers and donors. So if you remember just one thing from this podcast, remember this, you absolutely should grow your patron database, but take your time and fill it with qualified names. You'll save your organization money, you'll save yourself time, and you'll have a database that helps you continue to produce predictable, efficient, and measurably effective results. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Fundraising Growth Now. For the latest insights and information, please subscribe to our channel, follow us on Facebook, and join our mailing list at rscfundraising.com.